This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The south end of the Champlain Towers condo complex in Miami collapsed in the middle of the night. There weren't tourists milling around or people lounging on the beach to witness the tragedy or record it on their phones. Days later, that means piecing together shards of what happened that night. You can watch security camera footage, eerily silent, showing the tower pancaking down. You can listen to stunned cops responding on the police scanner. This is going to be an entire building. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve to thirteen stories. Uh, shit. Most of the building is gone. They're going to make this a high hazard. None of this makes the collapse make any more sense. Now, at some tennis courts about a block away from the building, family members have been assembling their own remnants from the disaster. Bits and pieces from the lives of 149 people still missing in the rubble. Danny Rivero, a reporter for the local public radio station, WLRN, he's been there. That area has really converted into a, a makeshift memorial. It's uh, there, There's like a green mesh on the on the fence and people have just been slipping flowers into it, photos of the people that are missing. The first responders have been going to, and some of the most heartbreaking things there are some things that first responders have gathered from the debris. Like they, they've taken little children's toys. There's like a Winnie the Pooh just covered in dust that, that they recovered from, from the rubble, and they, they put it there too. Danny was one of the first reporters on the scene after this building came down. He's been in the town of Surfside, which isn't too far from Miami Beach, almost every day since, chronicling what's still technically a search and rescue mission. When was the last time they were able to pull someone alive from the rubble? Do you know? The first day. The, the, the first day they did pull someone alive from the rubble and they sent them to the hospital and they, they later passed, but they were pulled alive. And, and then there was a 16-year-old boy who was pulled alive from the rubble um, and is still here. His, his mother has been identified as one of the, the people who have passed, but he, he is still here with us. I wonder if the mood is changing at all. You mentioned how this tennis court is essentially serving as a memorial, but it seems like no one's saying it out loud. People are still holding out some hope that someone might be found alive. You know, I think it is changing, but there's a lot of unspoken things at play here. There is a sliver of hope, but I do think most people I've talked to that are, say, friends of of some of the people that are missing, um, it does seem like they're coming to terms with the with the fact that, 
you know, it might be a good buy. Today on the show, unearthing what led to the beachside building collapse in Miami and how it could have been prevented. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When Danny Rivero's phone rang at 4.30 in the morning last Thursday, and his editor was on the other end of the line, he knew it couldn't be good. And he was right. He told me there was a partial building collapse in Surfside. Could I, could I get up there? So I just threw my clothes on and grabbed my recorder, and I went up there. I got there just about 5 in the morning. Um... You know, the sun was still down. It was dark outside. You couldn't see anything. We didn't we didn't have any visuals of the scene. It wasn't really clear to me what a partial condo collapse meant. But I met up with one of my colleagues just about sunrise that morning, and we still had didn't have a visual of anything. We, we didn't know what we were actually out there to go report on. Um, but there's a park there, just you know, a couple blocks south of the of the the building where the collapse happened, which is, you know, it's the park that I go to when I go to the beach. It's like, I go to this area all the time. So I went and there was a hole in the fence. So me and my colleague kind of jumped through the hole in the fence so we can get to the beach side and then walked up and I saw it just as the sun was rising that first morning. And it said, oh my God, this is not a partial collapse. That, that, that word, that phrase doesn't do justice to what happened because I could see just a massive pile of rubble from the sand. And there was people starting to to take their morning walks, um, joggers coming through, the police set up kind of a, a barricade um, and people were just on their morning jogs coming and saying like, what is this? What happened? Oh, well that building collapsed. And then, you know, you had people say like, you know, like, a, I have friends there, like in that in that condo right there. Like, it's not there, you know. It was, it was honestly heartbreaking. At the time of this recording, the death toll from the accident stood at twelve, but 149 residents were still classified as missing. Professional search and rescue teams were still picking through the rubble, working through extremely difficult conditions. For the first couple of days, especially, I mean, there was heavy dust coming from this. Uh, this building and it was just being kicked up by the winds and there was there was fires in the rubble. Um, so a lot of them were, were actually breathing that stuff in. There was heavy rains and thunderstorms. I mean, it's, it's the, the elements have not been very friendly here. Um, you know, one of my best friends is actually in the fire rescue squad and he's been responding. And um, what does he tell you? I mean, it's hard work. It's 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 hot work. It's nothing they have not been trained for. They are trained for this kind of thing. But he said what's different about this is that they're breathing in who knows what. So you think about, you know, he told me, like, look at the aftermath of 9-11, all the stuff that 
that the first responders had to deal with. I mean, I don't know if that's going to play out, but I will tell you, he told me that he's worried about that for himself and also just for his his colleagues, you know, they're in the they're in the thick of it. Can you tell me about some of the people you met who lived in the Champlain Towers? Like what what have they told you about what it's been like to live through this moment? <sighs> you know, um it's just it's just a total shock to the system. Nobody nobody expected this and and it's I don't. I, I some of the people I've talked to. I don't even think that has fully hit them what happened. Yeah, some of the people you've talked to, there was an element of randomness to their stories. Like they just happened to decide not to stay in their apartment that night and sort of left minutes before the building collapsed. Can you tell that story? Right. Well, there's actually a couple of those stories, which is the 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 crazy part. You know, one one guy, me and my colleague talked to. Colombian American. There was a big Colombia match for, for um, soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was watching it at a friend's house that night, and he just decided, ah, I'll just, I'll just sleep at my friend's house. You know, whatever. It's a Thursday. I have work in the morning. I'll figure it out. He slept at his friend's house. His apartment would have been gone. He told us, you know, I was about to go home, take a shower, and die. And for whatever reason, I didn't do it. You know, and then here I am. You know, one of the the people I remember interviewing there um, was Justin Willis, who's actually the pitcher of University of, of Connecticut um, college team. He was just visiting, you know, he, and he described, you know, there was a big boom. It felt like an aircraft taking off. And then basically his his family went on the balcony and the firefighters, when, once they got out there, they said they like leave the building. They left and the condo next to them was gone. Like it was just completely gone. Like literally the apartment next to them. Right. Yeah. Fift like the way he said, fifteen feet to the left, and I wouldn't even be standing here. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm talking to him and his dad and his mom, and and they're, it's like nervous laughter. You know, it's like how else do you respond to this kind of thing? And I think that's changing now because some of that hope, as we talked about earlier, might be waning. You know the. It's been extremely hot. There's been fires down there. There's been heavy rains. The prospect of people walking away from this that that are not already accounted for is is going down. So I think some of that just shock is starting to wear off. And I think people are entering the grief stage. And people are also starting to get angry. I mean, this didn't this didn't happen for no reason and it even though it, it came out of nowhere in a sense it did not come out of nowhere you know there there were reasons behind the why this happened when we come back in the race to figure out why this condo collapsed there is plenty of blame to go around hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. An important thing to know about Champlain Tower South, this building that collapsed, is that it's a condominium. Different people own individual units, and when repairs have to be made to the building as a whole, they've got to find a way to pay for them collectively. They elect a board that manages these kinds of decisions. All the way back in 2018, the condo board retained an inspector who assessed the stability of the tower. He found a major error in the integrity of the bottom floor of the building. Residents were informed of the problem, but then they spent years negotiating how and whether to fix millions of dollars of damage. There were structural deficiencies identified that probably went back all the way to the construction of this building. And a lot of it has to do just with the fact that the pool deck was built flat which is a huge no-no. I mean, even me as a non-construction person knows you don't build flat. Why? You don't build flat because water accumulates on flat and then it, it will seep down and cause structural damage. I mean, you don't build, at least in Florida, I don't know, in other parts of the country, but you don't build a flat roof. You build a sloped roof so that if it rains, it doesn't pool on your roof and cause leaking. But what the this engineer report found is that going back to the very beginning of this building, basically, they built a concrete slab that was flat for the, the pool deck. And what that meant over years and decades we're talking about is that water, as it accumulated from rain or from storm surges, which happen every once in a while, it was seeping down into that and causing, you know, changes at the geologic level. You're talking about this was accumulating under there and causing issues on the pillars that the building stands on, that the whole property stands on. Do we know if residents in the building fought the repairs, said, like, maybe this isn't necessary? We do know, actually. Um, the USA Today had a fantastic story out on Monday evening. Um, heartbreaking story, too, though, because it really documents over the course of the last couple of years, the condo board had been pushing for residents to get on board for these repairs. And they couldn't get people on the same page. And the longer they pushed it back, the higher the cost got because the repairs became much, you know, it accelerates if you don't address it. And because it needed to be this collectivized kind of decision, they couldn't reach that kind of decision and they couldn't make the repairs that needed to be done. And this was in addition to the fact that just having a building on the beach means it's subject to harsh conditions because you have all the salt water and salt air. Right. I mean, the fact is we do know that properties that are right on the beach get more corrosion from the salt that comes from the salty air, from the, the salt water that intrudes every once in a while, from just harsh winds and hurricanes. But at the same time, this is a structural issue that, like I said, likely goes back to the very building of this building. And there's also the inability of the condo board to get residents on board for paying for these repairs, you know? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about this 2018 report is that 
my understanding is that it wasn't required. (laughs) The condo board decided to do it. And then they got this information back. It's kind of like, careful what you wish for, because the engineer is basically like, you need to shore up the entire building. And then the question becomes, who's going to pay for all that? This is what the longer term story here is. You know, it's not just about one building collapse and the tragedy, although it, it, of course it is. But this is going to force a whole scale reevaluation of how these things are handled, at least in the state of Florida. You know, should, I mean, think of condo associations as like small scale socialism, right? You all have a, ha, have an ownership stock in this, in this thing. You make decisions about it. Yeah. You have like the board, which is kind of like the Politburo. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, really it is socialism. And, and the thing about socialism is that when you collectively own something, you collectively make a decision about it. Well, some of those decisions are going to be very hard. Well, and the board is elected. So if you're trying to keep your seat, you don't want to be making that expensive decision. And you might avoid exactly. it. Exactly. And the, and the big long-term story we're going to have be dealing with here in Florida is should boards be given as long a leash as they are given by the state of Florida? They have so much leeway to do what they want and so little oversight by the state or government at any level, at any level. They're really up to their own devices. And, you know, crises bring reevaluations of things. And I think now people are ask, are, are openly asking, you know, should condo boards be doing all this when there's kind of an inherent conflict of interest? You know, even if you're you're elected, well, you're likely an owner in that condo. You know, you could be putting yourself on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars per unit in repairs. Well, my understanding is that the city came in, the city of Surfside itself, to kind of evaluate the engineer's report and give an assessment to the condo board and and give their opinion. And when they did that, they kind of said, this damage isn't that big of a deal. And that might have contributed to the delay. So I agree with you that people have different incentives, but do you think the city itself is going to end up bearing any responsibility for what happened here? I do think that is going to come into effect at some point. I mean, I don't know who to point the finger at. I mean, we'll see, but clearly the the city had a role in all of this too. And... um. You know, if they weren't relaying that information with the gravity that they should have been relaying that information to the residents, then then that's an issue. If they were downplaying it, that's going to be an issue. Um, I mean, there are things coming out, um, but we I mean, we still don't have the full full picture quite yet. But it w- but the the county government has has launched emergency audits um, streamlined within 30 days of, of any building in the unincorporated County, which is kind of confusing, but, but it is a thing. The unincorporated County over 40 years old and five stories up. And, um, the city of Miami's is doing their own emergency audits. City of Miami beach is doing their own things. Um, a couple other municipalities. So the governments are reacting to this because there is a lot of fear happening because nobody wants their building to be part two. And, they're trying to really identify, you know, what are the buildings that are most in crisis right now that need to be addressed 
immediately to stop something like this from happening again. I mean, earlier this week, pictures came out of water damage at the Champlain Towers. They were taken just a couple of days before the collapse occurred by a pool maintenance guy who came and and was looking at some of the issues you raised about the flatness of the pool deck and the fact that water was seeping down. And it's the same way you talked about near misses with the people. There's photographic evidence. Clearly, the guy was concerned. He said there was standing water that had seeped all the way down to the parking lot. And you just wonder, what if it had been addressed earlier? It's the big what if. And that and that's, that is what's causing a panic locally. Because, I mean, there are, I don't know the exact number of condo buildings here, but there is a shit ton of condo buildings here. And... <laughs> You, you can't put off these these repairs that need to happen, you know? Part, part of the reason people buy condos is because they're cheaper. And as soon as you start throwing in, well, you need to pay, you know, $25,000 into this this repair that scares, scares the crap out of people. So people have been putting it off. I will say, I mean, this is throwing a huge... <laughs> I mean, I can't overstate how, how big this uh, wrench that this is throwing into our local and regional and state economy actually like condos and the development of condos and the mortgage brokers that help get the financing the insurers that insure the realtors who sell the you know the investors who buy and flip if florida has one main driver of industry like this is it that is what we do that is the story of florida and i think we're we're seeing a lot of anxiety about this. This is going to force a whole scale reevaluation of like where of the very places where millions of Floridians live. So you're really talking about a situation that seems a little bit intractable where damage is normal in some ways for these buildings because they're subject to such harsh conditions. There are inspections but it takes a while for the condo boards to respond some of the time because of the incentives either way in terms of how much people can pay and how individuals may be impacted by that. I want to add one more thing to the mix. Like, can climate change potentially make some of these st- structural changes worse? I mean, that that is the open question, especially for these buildings that really sit on the coast. I think, you know, I don't want to generalize too much, but we do know that buildings right on the coast that are that that get repetitive flooding, like this area of Surfside does get high storm surge and they have um they have sunny day flooding they call it. You know, Surfside is actually the only city to my knowledge in the entire United States that actually has like a government fund set up for for relocation because of climate change. Um, their hmm. their government has been actually very proactive about climate change, um, especially over the last couple of years. And it's a small town, you know what I mean? But they have actually opened up an account where they're taking some amount of dollars to put into this pot so that down the road, when Surfside becomes uninhabitable, they can actually help move people out of Surfside. Wow. 
so, so I don't want to say I'm drawing a, 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 a direct line between this and climate change. I will say it's almost certainly one of the contributing factors. How long do you think you're going to be reporting on this story? Because you've laid out these massive structural issues that could take months or years to fix. I mean, we'll probably be on this for the next couple of years. Um, I think we can already safely say at this point, just because they're not, you know, they're still sorting through the rubble right now, but there's all these audits going on about these these unsafe structures or potentially unsafe structures in the in, in Miami-Dade County. You know, what are the results of all those? Um, we already have a shortage of, of inspectors and, and construction workers here, right? What, what happens when all these buildings that have been putting off repairs for, for a long time, what, what happens when they all decide at the same time that they want to do work on that? You know, <laughs> like the, the tentacles of this thing I foresee going extremely deep into everything in the state of Florida. And I, I mentioned earlier that like condo building is our state's industry. Like I literally mean that. Like the the state of Florida was basically considered a wasteland until developers figured out that they could sell the dream of Florida. I'm not exaggerating on this. Our economy over history has basically been a pyramid scheme of developers and people marketing the dream of Florida to come down to Florida. It's so beautiful. It's so carefree. Well, now we have something to care about. You know, this is this is a serious thing that this tragedy has, has brought to the forefront. And I think we're going to be dealing with it for a very long time. Danny Rivero, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Mary. Danny Rivero is a reporter and a producer for WLRN in Miami. And that is our show. What Next is produced by Davis Land, Daniel Hewitt, Carmel Dalshad, Elena Schwartz, and Mary Wilson. We get help each and every day from Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I am Mary Harris. I will catch you back in this feed tomorrow. <laughs>